What's up, New Spring? Welcome. Welcome to our gathering today. If you're at one of our campuses in one of our rooms, we're glad you're here. If you're watching online, welcome. We hope that you'll be back with us soon. When you're ready, we're ready. There is so much to be thankful for right now. I'm gonna take the first part of the message and just praise God for some things. I wanna warm the room up, if you will. I wanna praise God that college football is back. Can somebody give a shout of praise? College football is back. I wanna give praise that LeBron James at 35 years old is owning the NBA right now. Right now, somebody give God praise for that. I wanna thank God for Roger Cox who brought tomatoes to my house. I've had 75 tomato sandwiches this week. Praise God for summer. Also wanna praise God that fall is just around the corner and it's supposed to be in the 50s later on this week. Can we just praise God for that somebody? Wow, well, I'm so thankful to be able to be here live with people as an extreme extrovert. I want you to know how much it blesses me to get to see people gathered on a Sunday. And I know at your campus, so many of you for so long, we're just excited about the day that we got to be back together with our sisters and our brothers. And I know that just right here in this room at this campus, I live two miles from here. Today, I walk in and I see KD who played basketball with my boys yesterday. And it was good to see you today, KD. And I wanna tell you, I love you and I appreciate you. And I look right over here and I see both of my children, my offspring, Jacob and Joseph, and I love you and you're growing up too fast and you're too tall and you need to stop that. And I look right here and see Lauren Beatty, a young woman who is filled with the Holy Spirit and God has given you a sensitive heart and the heart of a shepherd and your mom and your dad who are two of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And I just wanna explode with emotion right now because I just love the people of God. Isn't it great to be able to be together with brothers and sisters? Even if you have to wear a mask, that's all right. And by the way, if you ever wanted to rob a stagecoach, 2020 is the year to do it. Can somebody say amen about that? Hey, we're in a brand new series that started last week called Marked by the Presence. And one of the things I love about being able to be around the people of God is that the spirit in you bears witness with the spirit in me. And so when I see my sisters and I see my brothers, there's a connection that we have because we are marked by the presence of God. Today, we wanna talk about the covenant and the promise that God has made us. And we're gonna look in Genesis 15. Specifically, we're gonna look at how God comes in the form of fire and what fire means to us in our relationship with God as we are marked by his presence. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at some scripture together and it's Genesis chapter 15. If I could, I wanna set this up for a moment and let you know that in Genesis 15, we see God revealing himself in ways that are unique. We see this one chapter be a powerful hinge point for the entire story of the gospel. There are some things introduced to us about God's love, about God's covenant, about God's promise, and about our salvation that happened in Genesis 15 that will change all of human history. So the scriptures are gonna be up on the screens. You can look along with your own copy if you happen to have it. Here's what Genesis 15 says. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. 
Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look at the, at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. And then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He said to him, bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. So he brought all these to him and cut them in half and laid the pieces opposite each other, but he did not cut the birds in half. Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. And as the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram and suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hethites, the Perizzites, Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, the Megabites, the Gigabites, the Mosquitoites, you get the picture. Now, this passage we've just read can look a little mysterious, but what is happening here in these verses is more than a mystery. I wanna unpack it for you to show you that God was up to something in Genesis 15 that not only benefited Abram and his descendants, that not only benefited the nation of Israel, but that out of Abram's descendants that God promised him in a covenant would come the nation of Israel and out of the nation of Israel would be born a boy named Jesus in Bethlehem in a manger and that young man would grow up to die on a cross and save the world from their sins, raised from the dead, promising us that he would one day come again, establishing a new kingdom that's bigger than politics and presidents and princes and prime ministers it is a kingdom that will never end, governed by a perfect God who has a people called unto himself. And it all started when God made a covenant with Abram. That's where I'm going today. Y'all gonna come with me? If you're gonna come with me, say amen or clap your hands or, or do something to let me know that you're coming with me on this journey. Let's define a few words. First of all, the word covenant simply means a promise. It means a promise or it means a contract or it means an agreement. That's what a covenant is. And that's what God does in Genesis 15. He makes a covenant, not just with Abram, also known as Abraham, but with us. And we are the recipients of that promise, of that contract, of that agreement. I don't know if you have ever had to like put your name down on the dotted line when you made an agreement with someone. One of my mentors in ministry, when I was in college, he was my pastor. He taught me something. He said, listen, paper's cheap. You can buy a bunch of it. 
If something is important, write it down. And that's how we operate as human beings. If something's important, we make a contract. We write it down so that opinions and memories don't jumble up the facts. The first house I bought, I had to borrow money from a bank. I had to then write a check to the homeowners. I had to then write my name on paperwork that said every month I will pay this amount of money. If you live in an apartment, you sign a lease agreement. If you buy a car, you sign either the paperwork for the sale or the paperwork for the rental or the lease or that you're gonna make a payment. When you go to college, you sign that you're gonna go there. I was in college, I signed a letter of intent to play football at Gardner-Webb University in North Carolina. When something's important, we write it down, but we write it down with ink. When God makes a promise, when God makes a covenant, he doesn't write it down with ink, he writes it down with blood, his own blood, the blood of his son Jesus that was shed on the cross to save us. That is what kind of agreement God makes with us. And we all break our covenants, we all break our promises, we all break our agreements. I break them all the time in my own life. I don't always get it right. I don't always keep my word. As a matter of fact, human nature is that we break promises and that we break covenants. I heard this week on the radio that Kentucky Fried Chicken has broken a covenant with America. That's right, KFC. Kentucky Fried Chicken evidently, because of the coronavirus, decided that they were gonna change their slogan they no longer say that their finger licking good and that hurts my feelings. Don't they understand? We're not licking other people's fingers when we eat KFC. We're licking our own fingers. You're weird if you walk around licking other people's fingers in KFC. We all break a covenant at some point, whether you're a fast food restaurant or whether you're a husband that forgot to pick up your clothes off of the floor or whether you're a, a teenager, not that teenagers would ever do this, who forget to unload the dishwasher. We all break our promises, except for God. God doesn't break his covenant. So in this passage of scripture in Genesis 15, I wanna show you what's going on. It sounds weird. God appears to Abram and he tells Abram, first of all, a promise. I'm gonna give you offspring. When I give you this offspring, I'm gonna make them more numerous than the stars in the sky. And I'm gonna give you, you, your own heir, a son, even though you are probably around at this point, 75 years old. Those promises that God made, he then ratified those promises with a sacrifice. It sounds weird for us to read about Abram taking animals and cutting them in half or, or separating the pieces. But in that culture, all those people that we mentioned in that last verse, they all made covenants this way. In that day and time, it wasn't like you go to the attorney's office and you sign documents. If you went into a covenant with someone in the days of Abraham, you made that covenant by sacrificing animals to the gods and you cut those animals in half and their blood was shed. And then both members of that covenant would walk through the pieces of the animal, getting the blood on their shoes, on their feet, tracking that blood through the pieces. It was a covenant to the death. And what you were saying in those covenants were, if I break my end of the covenant, may the same thing that happened to these animals happen to me. It's a promise to the death. And when God made a covenant with us, he made a covenant to the death. 
that when Jesus would come to die, that salvation would be given to us. And that when we die and our physical bodies, if we, if we have Christ in us and if we're saved, then our physical death is just one stop along the journey to eternity because the promise of God's covenant is the death of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead reverses the curse that we're all under so that when we die, we don't stay dead. We will live forever in the new heaven and the new earth by the power and the grace of Almighty God. That's good news. Now I want you to understand that that covenant was for Abraham, but that covenant is an agreement that we also get to participate in. It's a contract that we might break, but God never does. Because in this covenant, God shows us that he wants to save us. That's what this is about. This whole story is a shadow that's pointing us to Jesus. The, the animals being, being bloodied up, the sacrifice that's being given, the fact that all of this happens in Genesis 15 is God showing us just a little snapshot into his plan. He shows us that he wants to save us. And I wanna point out something to you because this does feel like a very cryptic passage of scripture, but there are three words here that come in rapid succession for the first time in the Bible. This is the first time in the Bible that we see the word believe. It's the very first time that word appears in scripture. And we know from the New Testament that when we believe in Jesus, we're saved. We know that salvation, listen, for you and for me, salvation is not a wage that we work for, it's a gift we receive. Salvation is not like a retirement account. It's not like an IRA or a Roth. It's not like a 401k where you, you work and you put money in and you just hope that at the end of your life, you've got something to show for it. It's the total opposite. We don't achieve salvation, we receive salvation. And we receive salvation when we believe. And Abram believed, it's the first time we see that word. It's also the first time we see the word righteousness. Can you, can you believe that these two words appear in the same verse for the first time in Genesis 15? And here it is, verse six. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. How did Abram get saved? How was Abram born again? How did Abram receive the promise? He simply believed. He believed what God said and God credited it to him, he gave it to him. I, I'm not a fan of math, okay? Just put that out there for you. It's not that math is bad, it's just that I don't get it. And when I was in high school, I had a class called Trigonometry and Precalculus. That's all I remember about the class, the title. The rest of it to me is a fog of satanic symbols. Okay, I'm just kidding, it's not that bad. Just making a joke. We all failed a test at Hillcrest High School in 1990 in my trigonometry and pre-calculus class. And we walk into class and the teacher gives all of us our test back and she goes, y'all, this was terrible. I can't believe how dumb you all were. She actually said that, she would be fired today, but she was very, very politically incorrect. She called us dumb and I'm still very, very injured by that. And then she said something that lifted my spirits. I'm gonna grade y'all on the curve. She gave everybody an additional 25 points. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. She credited everybody's grade so that we would all pass the test. 
That's what salvation is. When we believe what Jesus did for us on the cross, he credits us with his righteousness. So you aren't righteous because you're a good person. You're not righteous because you don't cuss. You're not righteous because you vote Democrat or Republican. You're not righteous because you're pro-life or pro-choice. You're not righteous because you're a Carolina fan or a Clemson fan or a Citadel fan or a Wofford fan. You're not righteous because you do more good works than bad works. If you are righteous at all, it is by the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you as a credit on your behalf. That's our only hope for righteousness. And these words appear in the same verse for the very first time in the Bible, but this is also the first time we see the word fire. I like this. This is really cool to me. These three words appear in the same chapter for the first time in the Bible. And let me show you where the fire is mentioned. When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. Now again, 21st century Westerners like us don't understand the symbolism, but this is how covenant was made in the days of Abraham. This is how contracts were executed. But in this particular contract, the execution takes place when God shows up. And how does God show up? This series is called Marked by the Presence. Abram is about to be marked by the presence of God. We are going to be marked by the presence of God. And how are we marked by the presence of God? We're marked by the presence of God when his presence shows up and leaves a mark on us. And when he shows up here, he shows up in the form of fire. What does fire do and why is fire significant. As a church, it's part of our mission. We are a church who is marked by the presence of God. What does this mean for me and for you? Fire is a sign of God's presence and promise. That's how God promises. That's how God's presence appears. Fire. We'll see it throughout the course of the Bible. We'll see it next week and the following week and the following week in this series marked by the presence. We're going to see how fire symbolizes the presence of God. Fire in the burning bush. Fire in the hearts of Cleopas and his friend as they walked along the road to Emmaus on the day of the resurrection and Jesus appears to them. But for today, I wanna show you that when God comes to Abram in the moment of the sacrifice, it is a sign that he's real, he's there, there's a presence. Dan said it last week, God's everywhere you go. God is with you every step of your life. But when we get together, there is a manifest presence of God. That means it's tangible. That means you can feel it. And I gotta be honest with you, this week, I've been looking forward to Sunday because I've had a hard week. I don't know what you think about your pastors, but I wanna tell you on behalf of all of your pastors, lead pastors, teaching pastors, campus pastors, we're humans just like you and we struggle. I struggled this week. And it dawned on me as I was taking a walk yesterday morning, or I'm sorry, Friday morning, I was taking a walk by myself, just praying out loud before the sun came up. And everything I was experiencing this week was spiritual warfare. It was attack from the enemy. It was the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, trying to distract me from the things of God. And I sensed the presence of real evil in my life. And simultaneously, I sensed the presence of God and I remembered his promise. The thing about the promise is, when you remember the promise, the presence is right there. But we forget his promises. 
We get distracted by the cares of life. We get distracted by schedule. We get distracted by everybody needing something from us. We worry about money. We, we get distracted by Facebook and politics and CNN or MSNBC. And we forget that God's presence is manifest. It's right there for us. We can touch it. He's there to lift us up and to care for us. He's there to, to encourage us. As a matter of fact, the presence of God in our lives is like fire. And let me show you some of the things that fire does. First of all, fire warms. It warms us up. I'm a country boy from Fountain Inn, South Carolina, and I'm proud of it. When my house growing up was out in the country and we had a wood burning stove. And we burned wood in the stove. And I cut the wood with a chainsaw. Yes, I was 12 years old running a chainsaw. And yes, it was dangerous. And no, my family did not care. <laughs> and I would wake up in the morning. My parents were cheap and they wouldn't turn on the furnace. We had to like, keep wood in the stove all night. And I would back up to that stove in the morning and it would warm my body. Do you know that the fire of God warms our souls in a cold world? How cold is our world right now? How, how cold is this world we're living in? in America right now? It seems like people have never been so angry, never been so triggered. And, and, and it seems like we're trying to divide over every single thing. And what the world wants to do is turn your heart cold toward other people. You know what the fire of God's presence wants to do? Wants to warm your heart to others. Wants to warm your heart to people who differ from you politically. Wants to warm your, your heart to people who believe different things than you believe. And as a church, I'm telling you, we are going to be marked by the presence of God and we will have warm hearts and open arms to everybody who needs the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ. We'll preach it, we'll teach it, we'll welcome everybody. We'll preach about sin, we'll call out worldliness, but we will receive God's grace and celebrate it together. Fire warms, it's one of the things that fire does, but fire also illuminates. It lights up the path, it lights up dark rooms. Whenever you're confused or you don't know what's going on or you can't see where you're going, like turning on a light in the middle of the night, fire gives off light and that light illuminates. It opens up our eyes to things that we can't see. Let me tell you what it illuminates in my life. I don't know about you, but let me get confessional here. It illuminates my sin, my pride. I'm a proud person. I've struggled with it since I can remember. I struggle with arrogance, I struggle with insecurity, I like being noticed, I like being affirmed. I, I, I sometimes struggle with envy and jealousy in comparison with other people. And if I will just get in the presence of God, he will illuminate those sins in my life. The presence of God marks us as a church, so it's gonna illuminate us as a people to the things that we need to be aware of. The light of God's presence illuminates me to the racism in my own heart before I start pointing fingers to anybody else. It illuminates me to my own greed and how I don't give like I should because I think that money will buy me something that only God could promise me. Let me show you something else that fire does. It protects. The fire of God protects his people. As a matter of fact, we'll see in just a, in just a few days in one of our messages here, how God showed his manifest presence with a pillar of fire as he led the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. It protects, it also purifies. God's presence, his manifest presence that marks us, purifies us, purifies our motives. Makes me ask myself questions like, why am I doing this? Why am I thinking this? 
Why am I reacting this way when somebody makes me angry? Why do I respond like this verbally when somebody says something that offends me? Why do I read one comment on a social media post that sends me into emotional orbit and I dwell on it for days and I haven't read the word of God five minutes in the last two or three days? It's what the word of God does. It's what the fire of God does. It's what the presence of God does. Fire also destroys. Fire burns away the things that don't belong. And the fire of God destroys the sinfulness in me, even though it still dwells in me, even though it still lives in us, the fire of God's presence is a good destructive power. There are some things that need to be destroyed, right? Cilantro, spiders, sin, they need to be destroyed and the fire of God's presence does that. But the the fire of God's presence also draws. It draws us in. It invites us into a relationship with God. It draws us close to each other. And as a church, that's how we're gonna be marked by the presence of God, by the fire of his presence. We are going to allow his presence among us to draw people in. I got an email this week from someone, sent it to my New Spring account who let me know that from another state, someone sent a link, they clicked on a link, they found our website. This woman in the email said, I have been so discouraged, suicidal, depressed, ever since the coronavirus happened. I felt isolated and alone, and I watched your services online, and I felt more hope and more joy and more peace than anything has brought me since COVID struck our world. That's how the fire of God's presence draws people in that we're gonna be a people known by joy and, and passion for God and love for each other and generosity. These are the things that God uses to draw people in. And when his manifest presence is there, here's what we know. While we are sleeping, God is working. You know what Abram did in this story? Abram works all day long. He cuts up the sacrifice. He places the animals in the right positions and then he is so tired and so exhausted the Bible says a deep sleep comes upon him and while Abraham is asleep God shows up and God does all the work God makes the covenant God walks among the pieces of the sacrifice you know what this tells me and this tells you salvation is not about what you can do salvation is about what Jesus did salvation is not about you keeping your promise it's about Jesus keeping his promise salvation is not about me and you trying harder it's about us surrendering everything to Jesus while you're asleep God is working on your behalf. I can't wait to get to heaven when I die. The new heaven and the new earth, I wanna sit down with Jesus and I wanna say, can you roll the tape of my life and show me all the things you were doing on my behalf while I was distracted, while I wasn't paying attention or while I was just dead to the world asleep? Because the whole time you've been alive, here's what I know, God has been working on your behalf to save you. God has been working on your behalf to provide for you. The whole time you have been breathing air in your lungs, God has been working a plan in secret behind the scenes that you are not aware of. And while Abram is sleeping under a deep fatigue, worn out from trying harder, God shows up in grace and God makes the sacrifice. God makes the covenant. I'm so glad we can relax and know that God is working. That's what salvation is. It's not about our efforts. It's about the grace of God. And you need to feel that because, man, when I'm sleeping, I'm gonna tell you something. When I'm sleeping, I'm doing good. I'm getting refreshed. I'm feeling the, the, the rest that my soul needs. 
So I wanna tell you right now, some of you have been trying so hard to earn God's favor. You've been trying so hard to pay God back. You've been trying so hard to pay God off. You've got that thing or those things that you can't forget that you did way back when. And you think that you don't fit in, you could never be saved, you could never be good enough. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, you are not good enough to save yourself, neither am I. God is good enough for all of us. And God's grace has been poured out in a covenant, a promise, an agreement. And you know what you get to do? Say thank you and receive it. Say thank you and receive it. Take what God has offered you. Take what God has given you. He's been working on your behalf before you were ever born. Thousands of years ago, Jesus died on the cross in your place. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love towards us in this, that while we were sinning, Christ died for us. I want you to see this truth. There's one more thing I don't want you to miss because if you miss this, wow, you miss it all. Verse 12 says, as the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abraham and suddenly a great terror and darkness descended on him. But when the sun had set and it was dark, the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch appeared and it passed between and the divided animals. And on that day, look at this, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. Abraham didn't work for that, Abraham received it. It was a free gift that God gave, just like your salvation and mine, because God will go to great lengths to save us. He'll do the work that we can't do. He'll pass the test that we can't pass. He'll achieve for us what we would fail if we attempted on our own. That's the beauty of the covenant. That's the beauty of salvation. God will go to great lengths to save us. And this is good news because God alone can deal with our sin problem. God alone can do this. I can't do it myself. I can't better myself. I believe in good Christian counseling. I believe in good pastoral care. I receive and give both of those. But good Christian counseling and good pastoral care and every great devotional book written by women and men cannot deal with our ultimate problem, which is sin. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross deals with our sin problem. And God keeps his covenant even when we break it. And you will break it. You'll break the covenant, but God won't. You'll drop the ball, but God never fumbles. You'll throw an interception, but God always hits the mark. You'll forget an appointment, but God never forgets. He doesn't even have to check his calendar. God is always on time. God is always there. God is always faithful. God is always watching out for you. Your best interest is his greatest concern. And he's already made provision for you. He's already given you what you need. And what you need is not more money in the bank or a prettier girlfriend or a nicer boyfriend or a better degree. You don't need a college scholarship as much as you need salvation. I don't need successful kids and money in the bank and the perfect marriage as much as I need Jesus to walk with me through the storms of life and the valleys that I can't predict. Whether it's a global pandemic or whether it's cancer or leukemia or a car wreck or a bill I can't pay. I am secure in Jesus because he has given me a gift that nobody can take away from me. And he's put his name on the dotted line and he wrote it in blood. What can the world take away from me when I've got that kind of promise with Jesus? And so I wanna invite you, I wanna ask you on every campus and watching online, would you close your eyes and would you open your heart to a God who loves you enough to make a promise to you that he'll save you? Eyes closed, hearts open, every campus and watching online. 
If you've never opened your heart up to this promise-making and promise-keeping God, now is the time for you. You were born for this moment. You can meet God right now. And it starts with a simple prayer. And I wanna lead you in that prayer. If you need to be saved, forgiven, set free, pray this to Jesus right in your heart, right where you are quietly. He's listening. If you're ready to start over, if you're ready to be marked by his presence, pray this. Jesus, I need you in my life. And I believe your promise. So I repent of my sin and I give you control. I can't do it without you, Jesus. So I receive your gift of salvation. Please save me right now. I open up my heart to you. My life is all yours. And I trust your promise. Thank you for saving me. I'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes closed at every campus and watching online. We're not gonna make anyone stand up or come forward, but I wanna ask one thing. I haven't done this yet today, but I'm gonna do it in this service because I feel prompted by the Spirit. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, nobody's looking and I'm not gonna make you stand up, but I wanna ask you a question. If you just prayed that prayer, and I'm talking all 14 campuses and living rooms and dens and kitchens and coffee shops. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, I want you to lift your hand up and just keep it up for about three seconds. And then you can put it right back down. Keep them up. Come on, keep them up. You know what, in this room, can you keep them up just a little bit longer? Keep them up. I'm not gonna make you stand up, but I wanna count to build some faith People say numbers don't matter. Yes, they do because numbers represent people. Keep your hand up just in this room where I'm at right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. You can put your hands down. Everybody open your eyes across all our campuses. Holy cow! Woo! Woo! Okay, okay. Now that's what we're talking about. Listen, okay, I, gotta, I need to focus. I need to focus here. Maybe I don't. Maybe I just need to go buck wild crazy. Listen, 33 people just at the Anderson campus in this service just indicated that they have received salvation as a free gift from God. Woo! Okay. Now I know there's a 14 campuses and people watching online. Do this right now. I'm gonna ask everybody, all of you, everybody, everybody take out your phone. I know you got one, take it out. You've already had it out, so just go ahead and acknowledge you had it out, okay. Go ahead and get your phone out. That way nobody feels awkward. And if you were one of the people that just prayed to receive Christ, or if you need someone to help you, we've all got our phones out now and half of us are checking Instagram because you hadn't checked it since I started preaching because I know you wouldn't check Instagram while I was preaching to you. And I want you to take your phone right now. And if you just prayed to receive Christ, text the word Jesus to 30303. Do it right now. Jesus, do it right now to 30303. That's the new spring number, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even on Christmas, like the Waffle House. We're never closed, we're always open. So if you just prayed to receive Christ, you prayed that prayer with me, text Jesus to 30303 and someone from our church will be in touch with you to help you begin this wonderful journey of covenant with God marked by his presence. 
Now, if you're online, we're gonna say goodbye to you. Hope to see you next week. But if you're alive in a, in a campus, in a room right now, stay seated. And one of our pastors is gonna come on your stage right now and give you some instructions. God bless.